Welcome everyone to episode 30 of Heidi and Huria's dissertation on Turkish pop culture. I am Huria. I am Heidi. And welcome to another episode. Heidi, would you like to introduce our guest today? Great. Our guest today is uh, Hashim McAdam, who has joined us after what looked like a really great uh, and jealousy-invoking trip <laughs> from my part. Uh, so Hashim is uh, a photographer, a YouTuber. He does a lot of things. He um, He's the face and name behind Pushing Film, which is a YouTube channel that has over 40,000 subscribers. So uh, it, we're, you know, in the company of someone famous. <laughs> wow. Thanks for such a... <laughs> Great introduction. I am happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's more than I deserved. I think all that uh, <laughs> applause no. and whatnot. No, definitely not. It's something we aspire to. So it's good to uh, have you. you with us. Uh, and the reason we have Hashim here today is because he actually took a trip to Turkey, Turkey, uh, recently, uh, and. I've seen his Instagram photos uh, from what he's shared and they look absolutely amazing, the the photos he's taken. So we're just here to talk about his trip, um, to talk about what he does generally. Um, And, yeah, go from there. So, Hashem, would you like to, I guess, introduce yourself in your own words? Yeah, so, I, you know, you had it right. My name's Hashem and I, I love photography and I do a YouTube channel called Pushing Film and it's where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, in terms of photography, it's freelance work. So I do things like weddings and corporate jobs. I also dabble in a bit of videography. So sometimes a corporate client might also want video and uh, sometimes I'll do something more casual like uh, portraits, for example, for small-time editorial type shoots for magazines and so on. And yeah, that's how I make my living combining all of that. And I I love it because I get to do what I love, which is creative work, uh, photography, generally speaking, which is, yeah, both my job and my my hobby, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I also do it with my, my partner, Sarah, who uh, we, we run a business together, basically doing weddings where one of us does video, one of us does photo, for example. And yeah, it was great to to get back out and start traveling again after two years of lockdowns. Uh, as you mentioned, we we went to Turkey and um, loved it. Even though we went to other countries as well, that was sort of our main country. And on a funny note, I only just recently found out that they had officially changed the name uh, to Turkey to the real the Turkish pronunciation, yeah. which is also you know funny enough how we pronounce it in Arabic because I have a Lebanese background and. We say Turkiya, you know, more or less the oh, same way. And okay. um, I, I just found out the other day someone said, did you know they officially changed their name back? And I was like, no, I had no idea. But, yeah, so, I think it's good. So where did you go in Turkiya, Hashim? Well, we started in Istanbul, as I think most people do, and based ourselves there for about five days and then had decided we plan the trip ahead of time. So, you know, my partner, Sarah, she's really great at doing travel planning and just organization in general. So our our itinerary was to start in Istanbul and then fly to Cappadocia to check that out because, you know, it's one of those places that if you've never been, I think it's worth checking out. We stayed there for, I think it was two nights and then flew back to, um, sorry, not back, but we flew 
to Antalya, but we had to go back through Istanbul because it's the only way we could get there. And then from Antalya, we rented a car and drove south and discovered the south of Turkey, which was beautiful, including all the beaches and uh, coastal towns and stuff like that. And then, yeah, back to Antalya and uh, a few places along the way. You know, we enjoyed the having the car to explore, sort of like a little road trip experience. And then from Antalya, we relaxed for a bit, headed back to Istanbul just for a quick uh, layover before continuing our trip to, to Lebanon. But yeah, total time in Turkey was about, I think, 12 days. And I think we managed to do a lot while we were there. Yeah, definitely. From what I saw anyway, um, you managed to find all the great spots and all the great spots to both eat um, Mm. and take photos. Um, My first question for you is not photo related, but what was your favorite, I guess, dish or meal in in Turkey or Turkey, I should say? Mm. It's hard to pick out a particular favorite because what's <laughs> great about Turkey is this, um, you know, I guess I should also start getting used to saying Turkey. Um, there's so much variety, even within a meal. Yeah. For example, you could get a dish, something for dinner or breakfast, and generally there'll be variety on the table. Uh, within that, yeah, just uh, meat dishes in general. I'm a big, you know, I love things that involves, uh, involve a lot of meat and vegetables, especially the stews, you know, like the, the gufta and eggplant type uh, dishes where they were kind of mixed together. I've forgotten some of the name, but um, yeah, things like that, like hearty dishes. Uh, even though it wasn't particularly cold, I do enjoy things like that. And, uh, and the breakfasts in general, the variety that you get with breakfast is amazing. Yeah, breakfast is uh, great and it's a whole affair in in um, Turkish households as well. Um, I know when I was living there um, on the weekends, people would have like two-hour breakfasts because the nature of it is just like grazing uh, mm. anyway. So you find yourself just sitting and talking and eating. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and I suppose the food's... It, would it be similar to um, Lebanese food, like similar yeah. kind of tastes? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of similar tastes, but there's also a few unique ones. And within something such as breakfast, you know, with Lebanese food, it is a similar experience where it's like a whole grazing experience and it kind of can go on for a while and you'll drink multiple teas and so on. Uh, but, yeah, there were a lot of things that were unique to to the Turkish breakfast and also as a tourist, I think it goes a little bit beyond uh, when you go to especially anywhere in a touristic hotspot or somewhere trying to offer the best possible experience. The The sense of hospitality there was great. And, uh, you know, we did go to some places that had lots of great reviews, for example, because we wanted to get the full experience. And sometimes there would be a platter including 20 different things and the different types of cheeses and uh jams and sweets and and things like that and different types of bread for example which was uh, amazing yeah that's great um on to i guess photography related uh topics now um because i guess a lot of listeners don't know but both hordy and i really like uh photography and we like the use of instagram as some of our um listeners 
Maynor. Um, when you were in in, Tur- in Turkey, sorry, I, I'm doing the same thing. When you were in Turkey, what were some of the things uh, as a photographer that um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like really uh, struck out to you and really made you reach for your camera and, and take a shot? Well, I think if I had to put it into a few words, it would be things like just the general amount of character basically on the streets, in the landscape and in the people, which are things that I'm, you know, looking at most of the time walking around and uh, and the variety within that. So Istanbul, for example, offers so much character, not only because it's such a high population, but because there's so many different sides to it. And you've got the little street alleys and the the Bosphorus and the ferries and the mosques and, and then quieter parts, for example. But then the countryside offered something completely different. And what really plays into all that, I think, is the rich sense of history and the, you know, the long, longstanding um, history with, with um, Turkey compared to somewhere like Australia, you know, you know, it's a fairly young country and photographing over there was a different experience for me. Uh, seeing buildings, for example, that were hundreds or or even you know uh, maybe even thousands of years old, uh, yeah, I think that's what really set it apart and had me taking more photos than than I would back home, for example. And what yeah. sort of what sort of camera do you like taking photos on, Hashim? Well, I shoot a lot of film especially when I'm traveling because I feel like it keeps more, uh, me more in the moment. Whereas, uh, you know, with a digital camera, you find yourself looking back at the photos a little bit more often. Not that that's necessarily the, the only reason. I love shooting film for uh, multiple reasons, including just the general aesthetic and the, the feeling when you're shooting it. Uh, there's just less to think about, for example. Uh, but I do also take a digital camera because I'll end up using it to film video stuff. So it allows me to kind of separate the experience because I make YouTube videos. What I end up doing is having, a, you know, a camera for photography and then a camera that's a little bit more focused on video or using it for nighttime photography where it kind of has that advantage. So I guess I'm a bit of a camera nerd in that sense where I, you know, as you you know, listeners wouldn't see it, but in the background, I've got all these tools and cameras and things in the background, and it's just what I do on a daily basis. So, yeah, I ended up having three cameras really that I was juggling and taking out one or two of, depending on the situation, depending on the destination, the type of shooting, and whether or not I wanted to film any video footage for the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, it, for the film camera, the main one I used was the Leica MA film camera. And the uh, I had a medium format camera, which was a Pentax 645N, which gives you a lot more uh, detail and resolution. So it's a little bit more of a slower paced camera to use for uh, things like landscapes and portraits and moments when you have that ability to slow down. And I had a little Fujifilm X100V digital camera for, for the other stuff I mentioned, including video. Why do you think uh, analog photography is making a comeback? Well. There's multiple reasons. I think one of them is that it's uh, bringing something tangible back to photography and something a little bit more unique and unexpected, whereas uh, digital, after a little while, kind of plateaued after the technology caught up and 
there wasn't this megapixel race and whatever. It just gave people something uh, back that they were missing. And it also offered something completely ironically new to a younger generation. So for a younger generation that wasn't necessarily missing film, it was like discovering something new and um, retro, so to speak, meaning that they could get detached from the the photo and stay in the moment and then have that feeling of nostalgia seeing them, whether it's weeks or months down the track or even a few days later. I think it gives you this special feeling detaching yourself from that instant feedback, which we're also used to now and uh, offering a whole new experience for that younger generation. And I think they are, they are the one that are really taking up analog in, in droves right now. And the, the major demographic that's responsible for the resurgence. Yeah, definitely. Did you, uh, did you see any other, uh, film shooters, I suppose, when you were in Turkey and traveling Uh, around? Yeah, I'm sure I saw a few. Uh, I don't know if I had any conversations while traveling with other film photographers. You know, normally that's something that tends to happen, even happened to me in Lebanon. You know, I met someone and unless I'm forgetting, I might have just seen people with film cameras or even spoken to people at stores. Uh, for example, there was a little film lab, a guy selling old cameras and developing film, having a conversation with him in Istanbul. But yeah, I definitely did notice a few people walking around with film cameras and and it gave me that feeling of, nice, that's cool that you know people worldwide are getting into this. And, and the fact that there was a little lab still developing film and he said they still get a fair few customers was a, was a nice sign. Where was that lab? Because we like shooting with film too and we're going to Istanbul yeah. soon, so I think that would be a good tip for us. Right. <laughs> yeah, we need um, the tips. <laughs> it's, it's in Karakoy, so close to oh, yes. the Galata Bridge, but... I've forgotten the name. I did save it on my Google Maps, so maybe I could send it to you afterwards. And, uh, yeah, they're so cheap. I think it was about 350 lira or 400 lira, you know, something like that, which was equivalent to whatever, $3 Australian, which is next to nothing compared to what you pay here to develop and scan a roll of film. Uh, Selling film, there was not too different because any imported goods, as you know, in in Turkey means that you're paying a fair bit and you're not really Mm -hmm. saving too much. but anything local in terms of services and and food and all that was really cheap. And not only that place, but I think there's other labs over there. I had just recently spoken to a a Turkish guy I met here in Australia. I had been chatting to him online for a while. He's a cinematographer and photographer as well. He recently did a trip uh, to Turkey as well. His name's Mert. And he told me he went to a different lab and it's quite popular there. He asked his friends, where does everyone go? And he said, you know, they all go to this lab that I hadn't heard of. So I think it's about asking the locals and knowing where things are. Yeah. Whereas here, everything's on Google, everything's kind of online. Whereas I think over there, it's also good to know people who know someone. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of it is word to mouth in Istanbul, yeah. isn't it? Um, you would know, yeah. uh, Heidi. But um, I was going to ask again selfishly because we are going to go soon. <laughs> You're planning your itinerary. Yeah, I'm planning my itinerary thanks to Hashem. Um, so what particular streets did you, because we love street photography, what particular mm-hmm. streets would you recommend? If I'm listening to this podcast and I'm going to go to Istanbul soon, which is very... <laughs> Going to, very much going to be us. So, 
Um, what streets would you recommend for street photography? Well, I think a lot of people would say Istiklal Street because it's just so busy. But to me, it depends if you like photographing places where there's lots of tourists. And even though there's lots of tourists, there's still a lot of local activity and life and color and whatever. But I think it's better to kind of get away from there. You can hover around Taksim Square, obviously, which is still going to be a lot of um, tourists, which is fine. I think you can really integrate that well into street photography. But if you've got all that covered, that central kind of heart of Istanbul, including Taksim, Istiklal Street, uh, Sultan Ahmed, all those really touristy areas, it's really nice to get to the smaller neighborhoods. And one of my smaller neighborhoods, for example, our favorite smaller neighborhoods was the the Fatih neighborhood, uh, which yes, was, yeah. yeah, so it's it's not on the Asian side, as far as I remember. It's just on the, you know, the Eminona side of um, mm-hmm of you know of istanbul and it has a lot of sort of local character it's a little bit quieter and within that you've got different sectors like little market section and then the smaller quieter uh residential neighborhoods and then there's a big kind of like bridge uh, sorry river or canal i don't remember too clearly but i remember that being quite a nice uh place to photograph and then definitely getting over to the the asian side as well Uskudar, um, Kadikoy, all all the surrounding areas, and then and then of course shooting by the waterside as well. Yeah. I think that's something that you know, not necessarily a specific street or neighborhood, but just shooting down by um, the waterside, whether it's on uh, the Karakoy side or um, over on the Asian side or anywhere like that. But there's so much. I think you know you could go on forever as a street photographer, um, recommending places over there. Yeah, I think there's, uh, like you said, sometimes it's just those quieter places and those more local neighbourhoods that can kind of bring out that um, uniqueness of the country as opposed to going to, I guess, the tourist hotspots. Um, but sometimes, you know, as tourists, we can't help ourselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there was actually, um, you were talking about Taksim Square and Istiklal, um, and there was one particular photo that um, I remember commenting on your personal Instagram page, and I, I'm not sure if you recall it, but it was um, of a taxi, and <laughs> at first glance it almost looks like the two men are kissing, but actually they're having a very heated argument. Mm. <laughs> I was wondering if you could um, tell us about that moment and if you've had any other kind of funny, chaotic moments during your travels there. Yeah, well, that actually was in Taksim Square area, a little bit on the outskirts where a lot of taxi drivers congregate. And the photo you're describing was pretty much the, you know, two taxi drivers arguing, but it wasn't as heated as it may have looked in okay, that moment, yeah. but it, it was getting physical. It was really unusual. It was almost like one of them was the more senior and authoritative taxi driver. Maybe he was a little bit older. Maybe he was more senior in terms of his years of taxi driving. And he was almost schooling the other guy, you know, on whatever the issue was. And I think the issue was that there was a particular family or, uh, you know, mum and a son or something like that who wanted to catch the taxi and he felt like he had a right to them. And then I've seen this happen in other countries as well. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. it's a common thing with taxi drivers. And then there was an argument ensuing. I don't know if it involved a third party, but then 
someone came in and tried to clear it up and he was telling him off and whatever. And it was getting, you know, a little bit physical and he was just sort of putting him in this place. And I was just watching and it all happened very quickly. And my street photographer's instinct has now become to just snap away as long as I'm not noticed, you know, ideally or getting in the way of anything. Um, that's that's how I captured that. And uh, yeah, similar situations that happened actually. Another one was in Taksim Square where at the big monument, you know, the the Mustafa Kemal at a Turk monument where people gather mm-hmm. and take photos. There was... It was the 19th of May, which was a commemoration day. I think it's like meant to be Ataturk's Uh, birthday or something like that. Uh, And a lot of people were putting up flowers or signs and things commemorating the day. But there was one particular guy who came in and he seemed to be protesting. Now, I don't Mm -hmm. understand Turkish, maybe just a little bit, but definitely not what he was saying. But it seemed to me like he was protesting and shouting out things and chanting against whatever everyone else was celebrating. So before I knew it, I was just lingering around the area photographing and you get this sense when you're shooting street, something might mm-hmm. go down. Suddenly a bunch of guys pick him up by the hands and feet and just uh, carry him away. Oh, wow. And, okay. you know, I, did it, I didn't notice until it was already happening and you know, they were doing it somewhat gently but they were just like uh they tried to tell him to stop it and to move away because he was i guess disturbing the peace and i can only account my version of the story but they just uh picked him up carried him and (laughs) he looked like he was uh like a prisoner or something for a moment and they just chucked him out (laughs) at the edges of the the circle of the the monument area and and that was that it just happened in the heat of the moment and yeah, there are a few things like that, but you know, I, I remember that one because it happened very close to where the taxi incident did. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I I mean, I've lived in Istanbul for about a year, um, and yeah, I've had numerous occasions where, yeah, just it is. Um, I always describe Istanbul in particular as a very. Um, chaotic but beautiful city and I, I do miss that chaos um, because it just has its own character and I'm gonna put, <laughs> I'm gonna make possibly put you on the spot here even though before we started recording I was telling Hashim like it's all fine you didn't need to do any research um, this is very casual conversation um, but do you know of um, and I suspect you do but do you know of any uh, Turkish photographers um, whose work you like and yeah it, it'd be interesting to hear from your point of view. Oh absolutely and I think you already know one of them that I'm going to name because you saw in my photos or stories that I went to his cafe and that's Aragula. Um, so he I think is one of the the best you know, all-time Turkish photographers, especially for someone who's into street photography. But I also really like uh, there's a cinematographer. So I guess he counts as a photographer. He does actually do some work with stills. And uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but it's Nuri uh, Bilge. Oh, Bilge. Jaila. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love his work in terms of movies especially and a lot of what inspired me to, to see the countryside after seeing Winter Sleep, one of his movies. And he does do a little bit of photography work, but I've had to name two. It would probably be those two. 
Yeah, I I mean the probably the two I named, and you're right. I did <laughs> see um, your post on Instagram, and when you went to Aragua's mm. cafe, um, I remember messaging you saying, "Is this a coincidence, or did you go on purpose?" And yeah, of course, yeah. the the answer was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it's either really serendipitous or um, amazing research. So that's really exciting. But I, there's a I, lot. I'm sure there's I wanna, more. And, I yeah. want to ask you, um, because our podcast is about Turkish pop culture, What mm-hmm. when we say Turkish pop culture to you, like what sort of things do you remember? I feel, because I didn't really dive deep into any of this, I didn't watch any TV while there or pay much attention to local media or activities of um, of people. But what I did notice is that it's it seems to be a big melting pot. You know, I don't know if it's just Istanbul where I spent most of the time, but it seems to be a, a country or a city of of different things. You've got a really traditional side and a really ultra-modern corporate commercial side to to life there. And even within the people, some people seem to be really either one way or another. So it's a you know place of oppositions, which is something I've seen in other countries like Lebanon as well, or somewhere of great disparity, for example, uh, between that rich cultural heritage and then and then the more uh, modern commercial side. In in terms of pop culture specifically, yeah, I. I I noticed a lot of really trendy things in places, whether it had to do with music, with restaurants, with food, with places to go out and uh, shopping, things people get up to. It was on par with what you would find somewhere here. But then there was that that really rich um, historical side where people would just like to go out and go fishing on the rocks or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So, uh, Or sit in the park or just... I'll do the more traditional stuff. But yeah, I can't say I noticed anything that really stood out to me. Yeah, but that that is a good analogy of how it's a melting pot of everything and everything and yet it has remained its unique self. Like I find when I go to Istanbul, you do see the Western side and how it's trying to become more European, but then you do see that uniqueness of it where you don't want that to change no matter what, like the, the men that are fishing or the, the, the you know, balakekmek you can buy in Eminunu or, you know, the kumpir, which is the, the potatoes you, you can put fillings on in, you mm. know, ortaku. Like you mm. don't want those things to change, but... It's just a very, very diverse city that is always full of something that's happening. Um, is there any last things that you want to say, Heidi? No, no last things. I just guess um, throw it over to Hashim again to see if there's anything you'd like to say uh, just in general um, about your turkey trip or anything really where i I mean yeah anything yeah yeah well it's it's such a a rich 
a country and an experience for us definitely that anyone listening i would definitely recommend to visit if you haven't because for myself it was a first time visit if i didn't mention that earlier and there's so much to offer and i think spending the roughly one week in total that we did in istanbul is just barely touching the surface so whatever experience i've spoken about i think there's there's so much more that you can really find there and to definitely uh venture outside of istanbul too because there's there's so much more than um than just istanbul as nice as it was there and as much variety as there was and chaos and everything i think um getting out and seeing the you know the anatolian side of um turkey and then uh, especially the south if you're there in summer some beautiful beaches a lot of people would just assume you know you can only find these particular style and type of beaches and resorts and and all that in places like italy and so on but then we found that places like kash and fethiye looked just as nice and if anything had less tourists and they were way cheaper because we did go to italy later in the trip and it's it's sort of like a hidden gem in that sense especially because with the unfortunate situation there of the inflation meaning things are rather expensive for locals if you're coming in as a tourist uh, with dollars your money will take you far and you can really do a lot for it and then ideally and hopefully bringing your money will be helping the local economy as well so i yeah i definitely recommend anyone to check it out and then um i definitely had a great time and my partner sarah had a great time as well to the point where we've even said to ourselves we could see ourselves living in somewhere like istanbul we've always wanted to live somewhere overseas and uh we used to speak about living in tokyo just for a year just for you know the experience of living overseas and after visiting istanbul we said wow you've got everything here we could easily see ourselves living here and that's how much we enjoyed it so i think i think i'll probably leave it at that and say that uh yeah i can't wait to go through all the the photos and videos that i took there and uh hopefully soon be putting out a little sort of cinematic video on the youtube channel of um the istanbul experience because i did take uh, a little bit of footage there that i can piece together into a video and then do another entire video just for the the rest of um the turkia trip as well which i'm looking forward to to releasing so that's amazing yeah. and um where can our listeners find this video what's your youtube channel yeah so the youtube channel is called pushing film uh if you just search for that it should pop up and i've been posting some of the photos on my personal instagram page which is just my full name hasha mcadam as one word and yeah i'll just be releasing stuff to to both of those uh channels as as i manage to get through them all and edit everything Amazing and I'll also put those links on the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much Hashim for coming on this episode. Um is there last anything last that you would like to ask Kadia? No, I just want to again extend uh, my thanks for being on the show. We um this was such a great conversation. Um and it was it was almost like I was um in in Turkey for a little bit while we were speaking <laughs> so thanks so much for sharing um yeah um your trip and uh your experiences with us it's been great thank you no worries thanks for having me all right guys um until next week good issues good issues bye